Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. So we're going to jump right into it, guys. I'm going to introduce, um, we haven't had someone out of Illinois in a while, so this is kind of cool. So out of Fox River Grove, Illinois, I have Girls Got Balls. Um, introducing Shauna Fetterman. How are you doing today, Shauna? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. You're very welcome. Okay. You have a very cool concept. Okay. And I don't know. I mean, it's almost like rice balls, but it's way better. And I do love rice balls. I am Italian. So that I have that going for me. And um, so let's start with your story. Let's go all the way back to the beginning, like where you grew up, who your influences was, and sort of let's take our time to get to where you are now and and this business girls got balls and, and the food and the products that you consume so it's yours it's your story i'll ask questions eventually but i really want to give you the mic to just tell this incredible story because your products made me drool even five minutes ago when i was looking at them and the menu you had from the 14th of june so that was incredible so it's it's all yours all right well thank you so I originally started off cooking oh, before I can even remember. My mother would bring me into the kitchen to just help me with simple things like math assignments, uh, doing fractions, and I wouldn't understand the concept. So she, she would say, let's go in the kitchen. Let's go make some cookies and break down the recipe so then I would have to understand the math behind it. And then from there, I just fell in love with the whole art of cooking Going into high school, I took every class imaginable, ended up winning scholarships that I didn't exactly utilize, and tried to get out of the culinary industry at one point, but it sucked me right back in, and I ended up going to just the community college, going to culinary school, and when we got to our risotto section, I had the brilliant idea of switching up the cheeses and thinking, you know what, I bet you we could stuff this with other things besides just cheese or whatever else, just making it a risotto ball. And ended up coming up with the idea of putting cheddar cheese in with the risotto and stuffing it with barbecue pulled pork. And sure enough, it actually worked. From there, I ended up taking my product and like using my friends at my tattoo shop as my test subjects and we would barter i would end up trading them food for tattoos so i ended up getting like half a sleeve for that <laughs> um going on that's incredible i wish i would have thought of that <laughs> i didn't think of that i paid for all my tattoos i could have bartered food all this time damn it <laughs> <laughs> yep exactly so i was able to do that like luckily my friends were like really cool so um going on from there i started just playing around with different concepts and ideas of what else can I stuff these balls with? What other kind of cheeses? What other kinds of meats? And um, I ended up coming up with like an entire menu. And then just one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to enter on the great food truck race. This seems like a fun idea and ended up getting accepted and going on to Food Network. And from there, it just kind of spiraled. <laughs> Okay, I did not know that. Like, there's a missing part of the research in here. That's quite incredible. <laughs> I And I remember, you know, what caught my attention? Well, I've been in the food truck business. I built them, designed them, ended up owning them when people couldn't pay me for them. Um, and we even had one that did a trailer that did fried chicken that led into other fried chicken trailers and trucks. But, um, and, uh, you know, it's like I live a very healthy lifestyle, interestingly, but I have a like a literally like my Achilles heel is like is fried chicken um, when it comes to like fuck the diet or fuck the lifestyle. But I'm just like, but anyway, I do love risotto balls. I do love rice balls. So I'm very interested in this. But I want to get back to the to the food truck race. Um, I remember I think it was it's not Pauly D. There was another guy who was from the Jersey Shore, uh, Mike. Mikey, and he did a food truck with his family. I think he's even got, and Paulie D now has something off of that show also, but um, that he does for Ghost Kitchens, interestingly enough. The Jersey Shore created two food entrepreneurs. But um, talk to me a little bit about, okay, I need to just like, I'm downloading too much into my brain at one time. I need to slow down for a second. Let's go back to, before I get into the great food truck race, let's talk about, like you go to community college, you, you you go back, you decide I'm going to do this. You discover this 
idea for risotto balls. We talked about the barbecue pork in there. I'm like drooling. I saw one of those, like um, a description of that on there. Anyone wants to know, you need to go to Girl Scott Balls on freaking Instagram and just drool your face off. It's like a you'll get a high just watching her page. I'm dead serious. And um, a food high. And talk to me a little bit about this. Like, how do you get from, okay, I've got a great idea, let me experiment with this and test it on my tattooer to getting into a food truck, to financially trying to figure that out, to even having something to get onto the great food truck race, or do they provide you with the food truck? Help me understand how the order goes there a little bit. Well, the great food truck race is originally created for, um, people who have good ideas that want to either get into the industry or already currently have uh, a small food truck, a small food truck business. So with me, luckily I was just getting started. I had just purchased my trailer, but even before that, um, I launched my company in 2020 in the middle of the pandemic when everything was completely under lockdown. Like we were not allowed to enter restaurants or anything. And I started under a tent and I had my tent outside. I had my little fryers on the table outside and I was just serving like that. People were walking up to my, my little tent with their masks on ordering their food. I'd put it in a to-go box and they would walk away. And that's how it all originally got started. And within one year time, I was able to purchase a food truck trailer. And then going into the second year, we did our summer, um, like serving out of the food trailer. And from there I entered the great food truck race and going onto the show, they provide you with the vehicle. They provide you with the fully wrapped food truck and everything in order to compete on this show, but you don't get to keep it unfortunately. Cause that was like the coolest truck ever. <laughs> There's the catch. I was like, huh? And then, then you have two vehicles, but I see now I get why. And then obviously popularity helps with your business, but it's good that you have a trailer. Okay. Let's talk about ideas, menu, recipes. Like, talk to me about, you know, what you usually do. How do you handle catering? How do you handle events? What are the items that you produce? What are your most popular balls? Um, what are sort of, what does your menu look like? What does the rotation look like? Let's get really down and dirty here because I think you have such an incredible product. Um, I really want to talk about this as much detail as we can. I want to dive into this food really badly. So on our website, we have listed our flavor option menu. So there's like a whole section of maybe about 15 different types of risotto balls, about five potato balls, five um, cassava, yucca balls, whatever you want to call it. And then we have our new uh, cornbread balls. And so we have all of those options listed. But when we're out serving, we handpick about roughly five to eight items at most. And we'll write that on our menu and then people can order that. As far as catering goes, we will give them the options to just pick as um, like depending on if there's about 100 people that we're going to be serving about four or five different types of balls and we'll get everything all pre-cooked and deliver it to them in hot trays with the Bunsen burners and everything and all set, set up the catering uh, whole setup and everything to make it all pretty. <laughs> but that's generally how it goes. Like we will never offer our entire menu. That's just too many too much prep there's a lot that goes into the prep and everything like one batch of balls usually will take us roughly an hour to make and prepare from everything from cooking the risotto to getting the fillings made uh stuffing them breading them and everything um the most popular item would probably be the cheesy pig that would be the mac and cheese risotto stuffed with barbecue pulled pork and that one actually takes even longer because I smoke the pork myself. And so it smokes for 12 to 14 hours, depending on the size of the pork shoulder that we're using. And then we have to shred it and uh, put our, our barbecue sauce on it and everything. So it takes a long time to be able to do all of that. But everything is 100% from scratch. And every single thing on our item is gluten-free. Okay, I love this. Um, so... You obviously did well when you were doing the pop-ups. You're, the people liked your product. Did you start off with only the risotto balls and then expand? Like, how did you get into potato balls, cornbread balls, et cetera? How did you have the idea to expand? I mean, was it already out there? Um, talk to me about that because I think it's very interesting how you've been able to grow this brand and this product so rapidly. 
I originally did start off with, um, I think there was four different types of risotto balls. The main ones that I did were the cheesy pig spinach artichoke, uh, which is garlic Parmesan risotto with spinach and artichoke stuffed with fresh mozzarella. And we served that with a marinara sauce. Then we had uh, one that I came up with, we call the Raging Cajun. So it's jambalaya risotto with andouille sausage stuffed with pepper jack cheese and a homemade remoulade sauce. And um, my kid's father, he uh, he was Colombian. So I have a very strong background with preparing Colombian food. And they use a lot of cassava, yuca, whatever you want to call it. And so I started playing around with that. And if you don't know what a yuca is, it's like a potato. It's a root vegetable, but a little bit starchier and way better. <laughs> so I started playing around with that as well. And there, there was a few Colombian recipes that were very traditional And so I started playing with those and instead of making it into like the traditional football like shape that they do, I was like, you know what, I can stuff this and turn it into a ball. (laughs) And so from there, I just started offering all of those type of things. And that was like my main menu. I just had roughly six items total and I just kept preparing those. And every single day, my population on Facebook and Instagram and everything was growing extremely rapidly. Then I had the unique opportunity to um, go into a kitchen. I posted on Facebook asking people, does anyone happen to know of a kitchen that I can rent, borrow, anything to prepare my food so I'm at least health code compliant? And I had someone randomly reach out to me and they're like, contact this person. So I called this random dude who I've never met in my entire life and he had me meet him up at this restaurant and kept walking me around the restaurant saying, do you like this place? Okay, well here, here's the keys. This is yours now and handed over a kitchen for me. And that really helped me like get onto the road to success as far as being able to prepare everything in a commercial environment and do the quantities that I needed in order to stay up. Wow. That's <laughs> That's incredible. Um, So, I mean, what does this look like for you? I mean, it's so it's so incredible. Like, how did you like everything's happening so fast? How did you build? How did you ground yourself? Because it wasn't only at the food this point. You're trying to, you know, make sure you have marketing, you have advertising, you're building a brand, you have to come up with a name. You know, how did you come up with the name Girls Got Balls? Like, how did you come up with the logo? Like, talk to me a little bit about that, because you're obviously successful and you're growing fast. So how are you? keeping track of all the other pieces as an entrepreneur that you need to put in place in order to support your food growth? Oh, it absolutely has been growing insanely fast. So when I was originally coming up with the name, I was throwing around anything that had to do with balls, uh, spheres, globes, anything. I have pages of different ideas that I was just throwing around. And then I, um, it first started off with girls got some balls because everyone was like, you're launching a business in the middle of the pandemic. Oh, that takes some balls. (laughs) And so it kind of spun off from there. And then a friend was like, you know what, if you just cut it down to uh, Girls Got Balls, GGB, then it's a cute acronym. So just go with that. And I'm like, that's actually a great idea. So I kind of ran with it. Luckily, I went to school with a friend uh, that was a graphic designer and I kept seeing his art on Instagram reached out to him. And so it's like, hey, would you be interested in doing some logo work for me? I have an idea. I'm kind of going off of Rosie the Riveter, but can you take that image, have her holding a ball of trays and kind of use me and turn me into a Disney character? (laughs) So that's where the logo came from. It's literally me holding a tray of balls as Rosie the Riveter. (laughs) I love this. And okay, so now you have a business. You're um, you're you're structuring. Let's talk about the great um, food truck race. Okay, let's talk about your experience there. Let's talk about what that's like. You, I believe, you travel quite a bit for that, and you go from city to city. Like, what was that like? How was it to adjust to a different trailer? Because I'm I'm just curious because I don't think anyone, even as a food truck owners, can really fathom what that experience was like. So. You know, let, let's talk about that. What was it like? How did you manage it? You know, who was your team? Like, how did you, I think you need other people, not just you to do the, the, the race. So how did you figure all of that out? Um, luckily, I had some pretty close people with me. Um, it was very difficult going from trailer to the food truck because in our trailer, we have two 100-pound fryers and we are able to like 
to support all of our electricity with the generators that we have. But going into this food truck, it was one, I think it was a 45 pound fryer. So it wasn't even very big. And then we have, um, when we're doing like a massive amount of risotto, we kind of do a little cheat. Sorry, we um, we use rice cookers um, when we're doing that kind of quantity. Otherwise, we do it the traditional method. But um, for doing it as fast as you need to on that show and knowing that the entire show is literally based off getting your product out there and selling the most in the shortest amount of time is whoever brings in the most amount of money is the winner, so to speak. So we need to get our food out very quickly. Doing the risotto traditional takes a very long time. So that's not really something that we'd be able to do. So we had the idea, let's use rice cookers and get everything out there. And going on to this food truck that they supplied us with, the generator wasn't strong enough. The power wasn't strong enough. And our rice cookers kept blowing the generator. And we were not able to get our food out there and even half the time as some of the other trucks. So unfortunately, spoiler alert, we were the first eliminated. <laughs> um, so that didn't work out too well for us. But I mean, I kind of took it as us going on the show is going to be a win no matter when, if we make it to the very end or if we get eliminated first, because the publicity from it alone is a win for us. And that was kind of how I went into it thinking. Uh, that's interesting. That's like that's like you lost because of the show's error in the design of the truck, not because For the you're. Most part. <laughs> yeah, I um, you know, I've been not in the exact same situation, but I I can obviously I can relate to that a lot. Um, so let's you know you have that problem there. Obviously, let's talk about then. I think this is a good segue to when you designed your own trailer and you have two hundred pound fryers and you have the generators and you're able to do maybe the risotto the traditional way because you have a, maybe a commissary to do it in. Um, talk to me about how you how did you design it? Where did you come up with the ideas? How did you figure out that you wanted a trailer and not a truck, for example? Let, let's really dive into this because I think so many people don't even understand they want a food trailer food truck they don't even and they maybe have a good food business but how do they even go about it originally i was looking at trying to get a food truck but the cost difference is going from 20,000 to around 50,000 so when you're first getting started it's just not in the cards so to speak and when um i had the opportunity to get this trailer i saw an ad on facebook and it looked perfect so i contacted the person he was probably three and a half hours away from me central illinois and so drove down there and this guy told me that he had multiple other offers on it but everyone that had offered was wanting to do just basic burger hot dogs um nothing creative and he was like, you know what, if I'm going to give this to someone and give them a good deal on it, I absolutely want them to have a solid concept. So once he heard about my concept, he's like, yeah, not a problem. And I even like offered him less than he had it listed for. And he jumped on it and I think sold it to me anyways. So luckily I got it for a very good price. And from there, I was like, you know what, I think it would be a good idea to have a trailer just for the fact that a food truck, if your engine breaks down on it, you're stuck. You're kind of screwed there. But if you have a trailer, uh, as long as like your axles are good and everything, then you can tow it. And if your car breaks down that you're towing it with, okay, go to U-Haul, rent one. <laughs> so like you have options to be able to still go out and serve where you're not going to be stuck. So it, it already had the fryers in and everything, I guess. I'm guessing and, and everything you need. Did you need to renovate the trailer at all or, or do anything like that? I did. Um, as soon as I got it home, it was very dirty for one and needed to be scrubbed down from top to bottom. And um, my father, he is absolutely amazing. He came over the day after I got it, brought over his power washer and a whole bunch of cleaning supplies and was like, let's go, let's go. And so we went out there and two days straight, we scrubbed the hell out of that thing and made it look sparkling clean, very perfect. The only thing it didn't have was built in three compartment sinks and hand wash station. So um, my dad's friend, he came over and built a custom sink setup for us. And I had ordered the three compartment sink and had it all installed and got the water tanks and everything. So it was ready to go after that. So maybe about two weeks of us working on it, we were officially ready to take it out. And the very first time we took it out, we jumped into a big ass festival. 
we did a huge festival with 45 food trucks. Wow. Tell me about that. <laughs> that was crazy. It was, um, everyone had heard about us, but they didn't exactly know what we were. So we pulled up to this festival and we started serving. And at the time, um, the trailer did come with uh, smaller fryers. They were only two 45 pound fryers. So um, the reten the heat retention on it wasn't as great as our new 100 pound fryers. And so we were trying to get the balls out there as quickly as possible, but some people had to wait. And like our wait time, if um, we had too many orders, we were backed up anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. And some people were starting to get angry about that, but we managed to have the longest lines out of any food truck in the entire festival, got all of our food out there, and it ended up turning out to be an incredible experience. <laughs> This is incredible. So, do, and talk to me about wrapping the trailer. Did you have the trailer wrapped by this point? Like, how did you go about doing that and the design for that? Because I know in my own experience, it's a whole other animal in and of itself. Actually, with the whole wrapping, I looked at the cost and just starting off, I was like, oh, you know what? I really cannot afford an extra two grand right now. This is just not in the cards at the moment. And the people that owned it prior, they had their company name on it. And I was able to peel all of it off except for the words food truck on the side. Then I ordered custom logos on mine, like marine decals. So that way I knew it was waterproof, weatherproof and everything. And it wouldn't have an issue with our climates and changes and everything. So I ordered that. I ordered one for the side, one for the back door. And then I ordered a whole bunch of little vinyl um, circle decals. And then I put like, uh, turquoise polka dots all around it and just got some vinyl uh, wording around that also had our name and our, like the top of the trailer says hashtag balls for all <laughs> so like that's one thing that we use regularly yeah. is hashtag balls for all <laughs> so we put that and then my mom she went to a garage sale and she found a massive dry erase board and she was like hey i got this for you so i ended up putting it on the trailer and just slapping a sticker on that so I ended up doing all of that and putting lighting that goes around the entire like perimeter of the trailer and all together cost me maybe $250. Wow. That's so incredible. I, we've ordered one more logo since then and that's it. <laughs> that's pretty incredible. I love that because, and I know what it's like to peel a wrap off a trailer or a food truck. It's not easy. You know, it takes a lot of work. And then I agree with you to rewrap it when you, there's decals out there. You got to think about what the base is. If you have like a good color, it, it makes a lot of sense to, um, go in that direction. So, um, where are you hoping this goes? You have a trailer now, you're doing well, you've, you've got a good menu, you're doing catering. Like, where are you hoping this business goes? Do you Are you wanting to stay in the food truck space? Or are you wanting to grow in a brick and mortar? Like, talk to me about that. Like, what are your hopes and dreams for this? Oh, we got big, big plans. So I'm not just into the food truck industry or restaurant industry by any means. Um, so I originally had the whole idea with Girls Got Balls to be uh, to spin it off more into like a women empowerment thing. And so... Um, I wanted to be able to turn one food truck into two food trucks, have a restaurant eventually. And then from there, I'm actually going to school for cybersecurity and ethical hacking. So I'm going to be able to turn, get a job with something like that. And I eventually want to have my own tech company and do cybersecurity solutions and just be able to support other businesses with that aspect. Okay, I like this because I am a multifaceted entrepreneur and, and I am in food and, and many other spaces like real estate and media and um, now television and stuff like that. And so I like this. So how w the cybersecurity thing, I didn't see that coming. Where did that start? How did you gain an interest in that? I, I think I saw on your profile that you're going to Northwestern for that maybe in Chicago. So obviously you're dedicated and you're really committed to doing this because it isn't cheap to go there. But yes, so I, I finished school at Northwestern University this coming August and I will have all my certifications with Security Plus. And so uh, from there, I, I just had always had an interest in computers. Like ever since I was really little, and my mom brought home one of those massive towers and like everything. She would have 
an issue going on and be like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, hold on, let me play with it. <laughs> and I would go behind the scenes in the task manager and just mess around and, and see what I could do. And from there, um, when I started my company, I built my own websites and everything. And I had this random person reach out to me and he was like, your website isn't secure. You haven't installed your correct SSLs. And I'm like, wait, what? Huh? I had no idea what he was talking about. I was truly lost. And that's when I was like, you know what? I really need to get into this much further. I had already started going to school many years ago for uh, computer science, but they don't ever get into the security aspect of it. That is a completely different thing. That's a whole different monster than going into like IT. Very cool. So like talk to me about this so this leads you down a rabbit hole you're like i'm gonna do this how do you trigger the decision to then go to school and pursue this on top of trying to grow a food truck or trailer oh man um so i excuse my language here but i am a strong believer in the word fuck it (laughs) and what i mean by that is when you feel like your options are limited and you get to the point of saying fuck it you kind of make immediate decisions and Every single time that happens, something magical happens. So that was kind of how this one happened. I was like, you know what? Do I really want to continue with food trucks and just just have this be it? Like, is this it? And I'm like, no, this can't be. I need I I am destined for something amazing. So I'm gonna make sure it happens. I love this. So you're still gonna do the food trucks and and the risotto and the oh yeah yeah and That's the cassava. Here to stay. And, um, but you're also getting into this and I like this cause you're creating multiple businesses. I think diversity is important as entrepreneurs and a lot of people are like, Oh, just focus on one thing. How can you do that? I've never had that experience myself. I've always been diverse. I've always had to diversify for multiple streams of income. I've always had to diversify businesses to keep my interest in doing businesses. Like diversifying my interests also helps me keep my interest in the original businesses. Just so everyone's aware from my point of view. Um, but this is really cool. And I really like what we're we're talking about here. And I, we're on a, a, a tangent a little bit, but let's tie it back then to, um, to what you're doing here. Okay. So we talked about the cybersecurity. So, I mean, back to the question is the food truck, what you're going to pursue now or, or, and maybe grow multiple food trucks or trailers and, and build a business on top of building it? Or are you actually thinking there's more there. So I'm, I may have misunderstood or, or, or misheard, but help me understand specifically with the food trucks and trailers um, where you're hoping this goes. Well, right now we have one single food truck. We just got a bus that we're going to begin renovations on to build out into a second food truck. And from there, we will continue offering catering as usual. And I do want to be able to grow this and have it go into stores. And so that way you'll be able to get the balls in the freezer, so to speak, at your local grocery store. Our sauces should be available on store shelves. Like eventually I will get to that point where we will be able to offer that. And yeah, everything else goes after that. How'd you decide on a bus versus a trailer or a truck this time? Because now we're talking about an engine and and sort of throwing out the idea that you can just get something at U-Haul. My sous chef, who will soon be my sister-in-law, she um, actually came to me and she was like, you know what? I kind of want to get a bus. Let's get like a schoolie. Let's, why don't we do something like that? And we kept looking on like Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist and everything and trying to find something like, oh, everything is so expensive or it needs so much work. It has engine issues. And we were just kind of spitballing the idea one day. And we were at, um, what was it, the mechanic getting my car just maintained and everything where her son happens to work. And he was like, wait, what are you looking at? What are you wanting? We're like, we want a bus. And it just kind of happened that he happened to have one and goes, Oh, I have a bus. It's already built out commercially. So you can have it we're like, wait, what? And he kind of just handed over the title and keys. And we're like, no, we're going to pay you for this. Thank you. So now we have this bus and it's just been sitting here. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. So it's already in food bus. Cause I don't know what else to call it. The food bus uh, situation. So you just have to basically get it up to par get ready to do your uh, balls in there. Well, he actually had it built out for um, 
like a home mechanic business, like a uh. traveling mechanic. So as far as like the electrical, that was up to par for commercial. And so that way, we if we plug in our rice cooker, we're not going to blow fuses. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we still have to completely build out the interior into a kitchen. And that's where my sous chef, Carrie, her other son is going to be coming into play. He is already fully on board and has already been sourcing the right time, type of steel and everything that we're going to be needing to build it out. <laughs> that's incredible. Um, I mean, same menu, same items, just a second thing. I mean, a food truck, I, I mean, how big is your trailer? Because I've got to imagine the bus is going to be bigger than the trailer, but maybe I'm wrong based oh, yeah. on the size. No, it is. <laughs> it is definitely bigger. Um, my trailer is only, I think it's eight by 14 so 8 by 14 feet and then the bus is probably another roughly about another 10 feet on top of that wow so we're going to have a significant amount of space in there we'll be able to put another cooler a much more counter space it's going to be absolutely amazing (laughs) and i mean do you put in more fryers then i mean what's the mind i mean because you have 200 pound fryers which are doing the other thing i mean do you go three i mean how to i mean because it seems to me you have all this space in a school bus is an extremely attractive food concept i think anything that's different in that way really attracts more people in and of itself even though you're already attracting people with how good your food is as we talked about the lines to the trailer yeah we absolutely would love to put another fryer in there maybe two more so that way we'll have three or four and get the food out even faster because my business plan, the way I wrote it up, um, my whole concept was getting the food to you quick. So everything that is already prepped from the moment the customer orders, we're able to get it in their hands within usually at most five minutes. That's if they have to wait. And that's usually just for fries. But otherwise, there's many times where my daughter's in the window taking the order and I'm listening to her and listening to what they're ordering. And I already have the food in her hands ready to hand to the customer as she's taking the money. Holy crap. So there's virtually no wait time. Like it's very rare that people actually have to wait. I like this a lot because I think that's huge in the food truck game. I mean, if any other food trucks, most of the time you have a wait. Absolutely. And I that was one of my pet peeves with it is there's times when you go to festivals or you just find a truck on the street and you're like, yeah, I want to try that. And you're having to wait five, 10 minutes or like, okay, what's the difference if I go to a restaurant in reality? So I wanted to be able to get you handheld gourmet to go in your hands, ready to eat, it's like in minutes, not even in seconds. Wow. Um, I like this a lot because I don't, I think that that's so unique, particularly in food trucks and food trailers, that type of thing. Cause everyone thinks that people are want to wait or that they're used to waiting or that's just the way it is. And you totally just turn that upside down. I'm very impressed with this actually, because I think that that type of attitude is going to bring you a long way. And most food products don't have that ability, you know? Absolutely. If you fry chicken or you fry or cook hamburgers or even hot dogs, it still takes a while and you still have build up in line. So this is pretty incredible. I like this a lot. How did you go finding business once you, you know, let's talk about, let's go back a little bit. Once you have the trailer and you started, how did you go about finding business? How did you go about finding the festivals or the events that you attended? Most actually found me. (laughs) So after I was in that random kitchen with that guy that I was saying earlier, um, I got in there and they had an entire marketing team to get the restaurant. They wanted me to launch that restaurant as a ghost kitchen since everything was locked down. And that was kind of our deal. They're like, launch this as a ghost kitchen. Then you have free use of the kitchen as a commissary for your food truck. And I did it just that. And even the market marketing team was completely blown away how I was able to go from 20 Facebook followers to a thousand almost overnight. Like I had a lot of people that were supporting me and then just seeing the concept of an idea and thinking, oh my gosh, this is absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm blown away by it. It really caught my interest. I'm just, and I'm, and then when you talked about the turn turnaround time, I'm like, okay, we're on to something here. This is incredible. And 
when you have the idea of going into grocery stores and, you know, and frozen, it's just as quick to do at home then because it's already prepped. It's already made. It's just a reheating thing or a quick fry thing, whatever it ends up being. Oh, which yeah. Yeah, we'll end up just uh, par-frying the balls. Like when people say, well, I, how do they save? Are they good the next day? Then I'll say, okay, well, let me just go off with this. I will par-fry it for you, then put it in your oven at 375 for 10 to 12 minutes, and it will come out perfect. And every single time it does. And those people, they'll message me on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and say, you were right. Oh, my gosh, they taste perfect and fresh like I just ordered it. So it works very well in the reheating. I love this. Um, also, because I think it's just you're really seeing the future of this product and you're seeing the multiple revenue streams that just this concept or this this thing. And I always talk to the, about people about this. Whatever your business is, you have to have the one thing that's simple, simple that can be scalable. Okay, too many people get caught up in their businesses or the traditions, and they get so hooked on what they're doing, they don't look at the model differently like you have. And these things, they're one, it's scalable. Two, it's quick. Three, you can pr- you can make more money in a shorter period of time with the amount of time you have captured attention. Because food trucks are about captured attention. If you don't capitalize on it or people don't want to eat there because they see a lot of people still waiting for their food, which does happen. Go to an event and watch what happens at the food trucks that have lines or or people. a lot of people are still waiting on their food. Unfortunately, people don't go there. You know, even if it's what they want, they're like, eh, I can go to, uh, to this place and maybe only wait four minutes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I've even had people back when we were first getting started and still trying to figure it out. And when we were under a tent, we just had little electric fryers and the heat retention was not great. It's like they only held 10 pounds of oil. And if you're dropping cold like balls in there and everything, then it cools the oil. So it takes much longer to cook. So in that time, if we had a line at all, then uh, we had people come up to us asking for refunds. And eventually, like, we would end up just giving their money back and apologizing. But thankfully, we do not have anywhere near those issues anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost like a gift that that happened to help you realize that it needed to be faster in a lot of ways, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's either you succeed or you learn. And that was definitely a learning experience. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So... Shauna, tell me about what motivates you, what inspires you, what keeps you going. Obviously, you're 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 an entrepreneur on many levels, and you're getting into cybersecurity. What is it that inspires you? What keeps you going? What what keeps pushing you to do more than the average human? Okay, and by that I mean being an entrepreneur and having multiple faces is just it's it's uh, how should I say this? Brave. There's a lot of courage. There's a lot of knowing and learning from failure. So tell me a little bit about that. Balls. Yeah, yeah, you got it. <laughs> Big balls. Um, okay, so originally I used to be just a stay-at-home mom, and I knew I needed to do more, and I didn't like that because I didn't want to show my kids that you can just stay at home and do your own thing like that. That if you have a dream, chase it, go after it. And that was just it for me as I really wanted to show my kids that you seriously can accomplish anything, but you need to put the effort forth. And so my kids are like seeing it every single day. My son, he's going to be 13 soon. My daughter, she's going to be 15 soon. They both work on the food truck with me. And the first time they worked at festival, it was I think we started serving at 10 a.m. and we left at 11 p.m. And in that time frame, my son, he was sitting on the ground. He's like, I didn't realize this was so much work. (laughs) And from there on, he had so much respect for what I do and my business and everything. And both my kids come to me now like, when can I work next? I want to make more money. Let's go. And I love that that that's the great thing about family businesses or a business that starts involving their family is the kids start seeing it. The kids learn this entrepreneurial attitude that they don't get in school. Okay, they don't get the money piece, the managing money, the managing a business, the the customer service, the actually how to deal with humans properly, by the way, okay. in a real world situation, not just as friends and not behind the security of teachers and schools that often blur reality versus let them live in reality. And so my daughter, she, she handles the window usually. And when I say that she handles taking the orders, processing the credit cards and taking cash and giving the, the, um, change back. 
my drawer has never been off. And half the time she's not using a calculator or anything. She's just doing her math in her head. And for her being 15 years old, it is super impressive. Yeah, it's incredible. I love this. I love that your kids are involved in this. And I love that you're passing down that entrepreneurial attitude that's just going to compound in them greatly because they're learning it at such a malleable age. It's such a key age in their life. I know I learned entrepreneur and food around the same age and it made it's made huge differences in my life and given me huge advantages competitively and for myself in the long run. So I really enjoy that you're doing that and I think, you know, God, what a gift you're giving them. It's probably the greatest gift of all other than their well, life, you know. And so. it's not even just my kids either. It's um I, I can actually say now that um originally I wanted it to be a family owned and operated business. And as of right now, as soon as I marry my sous chef's brother, which is, should be next year, <laughs> we just got engaged. Um, when Once that happens, it will officially be 100% family owned and operated. I have my kids there. I have my sous chef who will be my sister-in-law and her niece who will be my niece-in-law and everything. So it is completely family owned and operated. They help from prep to service and cleanup and everything. <laughs> wow. Wow. Who inspired you and motivated you growing up or who motivates you? I mean, from a, we talked about your motivation as your kids, but I mean, are the mentors, coaches, parents, I mean, w- growing up maybe, or even now, like who do you look to uh, for guidance or for help or for mentorship or leadership or who do you idolize out there in the world? Um, if I were to say an entrepreneur or someone that I idolize, it would probably be uh, Sophia Amoroso. Uh, she wrote the book Girl Boss, and she absolutely is inspirational. She is just truly a badass. But the person that really motivates me and keeps me going, I'd have to say, is my mom. She has, anytime I have sat there and just kind of spitballed an idea and doubted myself at all, she's like, don't do that. Just keep going. And she'll push me into doing something, even if everyone else thinks it's totally batshit crazy. And then every single time something amazing happens because of it. She's the one that helps me go from a tent to a food truck trailer when I didn't think I'd be able to even continue. And from there, she just keeps pushing me to do better every single time. Amazing. Yeah, my mom even helped me when I was first starting off under a tent. She was like, I told her, I have so many things that I need to prep. I need to get another 200 balls made. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. She shows up in my kitchen and starts helping me. (laughs) Incredible. I think that, you know, having that support from family and then having family believe in a business as much as you do, and then being able to surround yourself by that sort of core value of family orientation. And we, you know, we're... We, you know, it doesn't take, a, it, you don't, one person doesn't raise someone, it, it takes a village type thing. And, um, and it's the same for a business. A business is basically in the United States, it acts just like a human legally without any organic matter. So it's like you're raising a child, you're raising something, but you need to do it together. And in your case, you're doing it as a family, which I think is hugely important. Uh, and I want to anchor for everyone just to make note of it, that you found a way to grow a business. You've involved your family. You've involved um, your sister, future sister-in-law and her family. I think that that's incredible. So let me ask this. As this is growing and you have family members in, how do you designate roles? How do you hold accountable to your job functions um, when you're doing this? Because often family can also mean too much equality not that i mean everyone isn't equal but at the end of the day there still has to be a boss sometimes or or a person to make decisions for lack of a better term or if no one can make a decision there has to be a decision maker i think you know i'm not talking about like dictatorship and things aren't talked about but i'm more or less like how do you figure this out what everyone's role is generally i'm the one that's in charge of like from everything from different roles to what we're putting on the menu, but my sous chef, she'll absolutely have a say in everything. And especially this year with me going to school, she has taken over a lot of the responsibilities. There has been, there's events that she goes to and she will, um, tell the girls, when I say girls, I mean my daughter and my niece, she'll tell them exactly what needs to be done and what, uh, what everyone needs to do in order to make it an, um, a successful event. And um, from there, I pretty much handle all of the the tedious stuff going from health department, um, 
permits and everything and making sure that we're uh, compliant with the state, with our LLC and all of that kind of stuff, including the website. I handle all of that. But as far as on the food truck, uh, we divide the tasks pretty evenly. Uh, Carrie, she will handle the fryers. I usually handle getting the food in boxes ready to go and um, hand it to my daughter who will, or uh, my niece, and she'll hand it out to the customer. So we generally know who's doing what at all times. <laughs> Incredible. Who does all the recipe development, the, the development of the products? Who, who does the expansion? Um, is that both of you guys? Like, Talk to me a little bit about that. How do you develop new recipes? How do you develop new balls? For example, well, now me and Carrie will will definitely spitball ideas off of each other and then test the products together and come up with the ideas and everything about it together as even coming up to the names. So we're we're pretty equal in that aspect now. Very, very cool. Um, and do you try to reuse ingredients? I mean, how do you, uh, where does that, where are you trying to do? I mean, you try to go more traditional or you try to go more wowing like to help me understand, like, I know you have, like, a not-so-Philly ball or something uh, I saw on there, which is obviously, like, a phys- Philly cheesesteak, but how do you come up with those ideas? I mean, you guys talked about spitballing, but, like, do you try to stay more traditional or do you try to explore new things? I mean, where is it both? I mean, talk to me a little bit about that mindset. I'm personally a big fan of fusion, so I really like to um... – uh, play around with new ideas going from like taking something like um, fried rice and then putting like South American ingredients in the center that will work and play off of each other. But um, yeah, we just like to go on to like something like Pinterest and look up recipes and, and just scroll through them. And if something pops out that is that we look at and we're like, you know what, we can absolutely turn that into a ball. Like, let's just go play with that. (laughs) And then we'll go in the kitchen and just start messing around with it. I like this a lot. I'm going to ask you a a personal question. What do you think your best leadership qualities are or your best entrepreneurial qualities are that have gotten to this point? What things have you maybe developed or seeds that were planted in you when you were young or God planted in you when you were born, uh, for lack of a better description? that you've had to develop or that you feel you've developed that have made you strong as an entrepreneur and a leader, because you are a leader. I can sense it. I feel it in me, um, in the energy, which is crazy. You have very strong leadership energy. Um, and I work in energy for some reason. I'm very empathic. Um, and I don't normally talk about that, but I can feel it from you just even over the phone. Like, it's kind of crazy because I don't generally get that leadership aura as much as strongly as I'm getting it from you. So what are those? What are the skills or the things that you've developed that make you, I would say, a strong leader and entrepreneur for sure? I would have to say being creative. Um, I don't let anything hold me back. I will search my brain and search anything I possibly can to be able to come up with an answer, whether it's something traditional or thinking way outside the box. And every single time, no matter what, I will figure it out and come out on top. I like this. And I think the fuck it attitude helps a little bit with leadership when you can just like, okay, this is happening for us. Let's just get through it and move on and make a decision. And if it's not the right decision, we can make another one quickly and pivot. Um, you know, we don't talk about that enough, but it was like pivoting was a big deal when businesses were doing well. And then the financial crisis hit and it's like, no one pivots anymore. No one even does it. And we went through COVID and everyone held steady and no one pivoted. Um, very few did. And the ones who did are obviously finding success now, I would say for sure, because they pivoted and then hit the gas. But, um, once they found the right way to pivot, but Mm -hmm. I, I think you do that a lot. I think even with a cybersecurity thing, you saw an opportunity, you know, whatever life gave it to you, God gave it to you. But instead of ignoring it, you heard the message there and executed on it and with bravery. And I think that that's a big thing. I, I find a lot of courage with you, even though you may not see it. A lot of people wouldn't be doing what you're doing. They wouldn't have the bravery. They wouldn't have the willingness to take risks. They wouldn't have let the thing that happened with the great food truck race Uh, just sort of roll off the way that you did. A lot of people get stuck in those situations, I find, or they keep reliving those moments unintentionally sometimes, and it holds them back. They become very fear-based, for example, and it doesn't seem to happen to you at all. There's there's a boldness about you. So 
Um, I like that. And I'm really interested to see where you go with your career. Um, You know, and every entrepreneur that comes on the show, mostly they've all got a special superpower. You know, some are still developing theirs to turn up the volume as much as others. But for you, you've got this high volume of entrepreneurial ingenuity and high volume of leadership. And I just want to anchor that with you, Shauna. I don't always talk about this, but I can't help but feel it. Um, I, for lack of a better term, I just know it. And um, there's no doubt in my mind type thing. It's kind of crazy when that happens. But oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm just totally interested in this. Do you ever think about doing other food concepts? Do you ever think about, um, I know you're branching into cybersecurity, so it's hard to imagine something else, but you've got such a talent for food and ingenuity and understanding truly what the customers want. That's the other thing I will say. You read the situation well with speeding up the time, with understanding what happened to you in your past and growing from it and making sure the balls come out fast, you know? So um, talk to me a little bit about, do you have other ideas? Is there other foods you're interested in? Um, if you're not cooking balls, like what is the food that you normally like to cook, for example? Oh, when I'm not um, cooking the balls and everything, like a big thing that my fiance and I are that we do together generally is we smoke a lot of meats. Uh, while I was uh, learning how to smoke everything, it was right around the time I got into that commercial kitchen and the guy that brought me in there, he had a giant commercial smoker, a Southern pride trailer, and he brought me in and taught me how to do everything. And my fiance and I, and I have just totally refined that. And so we're just always trying out new recipes together and just playing around like, what else could we do? Where could we take this? <laughs> and, but yes, I absolutely would like to branch out and um, Carrie and I, my sous chef, we have talked about the concept of opening a whole nother restaurant that is not anything related to balls at all, that we would like to have a full sit down restaurants. And I'm not going to go too far into that because we're still working on the whole like concept behind what types of food that we will do. And I don't want to give that away <laughs> just yet. I love this. Um, okay. Sean, I just want to thank you for your time today. You're a great communicator also. Like, I enjoy communicating with you. I'm definitely going to be reaching out to you in the next couple of months to do a part two just because I'm ex- interested to see where your story goes, how the school bus goes, how the cybersecurity thing goes. So I'd love to tell more of your story for the audience because I think just based on what we've already talked about, I know there's going to be people interested in the continuation. And I try to do – I'm trying, I should say – always to not just give a snapshot of the entrepreneurs because I find a lot of shows do that a lot of businesses do that a lot of education just gives you snapshots of a period of time I'm trying to tell the story continuously so we can actually understand that it's not about facing in the rear view as an entrepreneur we learn from the past but we are constantly learning from the present actually and um, as entrepreneurs and the journeys you guys go on I'd love to continue to tell your story um, so that's number one. Uh, number two is if you could go back to the beginning of the food trailer or the pop-ups, wherever you want to go, what is some of the things you know now that you wish you would have known then? Hmm. Honestly, I'm not even sure about that. I like, cause everything has been one of those like I needed to do what I've done at the time because it was a stepping stone type thing. Cool. So I like, I have like, I never stop learning. That's the thing. <laughs> so I'm always um, having the willingness to try new things and just continue on. And that's the one thing is maybe if I were to go back, then I would tell myself just always keep an open mind and just keep going. That's one of my core values as well. Always be a lifetime student or be a lifetime student or always be a student um, and always willing to be a teacher for those who are wanting to learn. And so um, and pass down what I'm learning because I figure, you know, we talked about this. I talked about this in the previous episode. It's a little bit like failing forward, meaning I'm growing from failing and learning and moving forward. But it also means giving backwards to those who are trying to move where we once have been. You know, even though it may not look exactly the same, everyone in in entrepreneurism spends feels alone a lot. 
Um, but I do think that in your situation, what you've done with family, surrounding yourself with the right mentality, having your mom, having the situation, while there's probably loneliness sometimes, I would say you're functioning in a very great structure. You're involving the people around you. You're giving them ownership, meaning that they're getting a say in how the business is run. They're getting to make decisions. They're getting pride in their accomplishments. You're giving them the dignity to be human and do life in, in the way that they want to and be a part of what you're built. And so, and, and give them the ability to build it as well. You know, it's like, you know, I'm Italian, so half Italian, so, you know, masons and building everything, you know, it, it, it starts off with a few bricks and stacking bricks. And next thing you know, you have a cathedral, but it takes a team. It's not Absolutely. one person stacking those bricks. And, and I always give the recognition to everyone that I work with and that helps out as long as they really, truly are putting effort forth and doing their part. I appreciate everything that they do regularly. Amazing. And I probably lied a little bit. I said it was going to be my last question, but that was a lie. I actually have one more that I want to ask now. What is your favorite part about being an entrepreneur or or being in food like or or being an entrepreneur in general? I, I don't know which one you can relate to, but like what's your favorite thing? What do you like the most? What do you enjoy the most? What gives you the most fulfillment? I would have to say being able to be creative. Um, so like when you're working in a commercial kitchen for a restaurant owner, you have to cook what they have set and that's it. Most of the time you don't have the ability to deviate from that. And that's where part of my issue would lie would be anytime I work for anyone else, they'd be like, okay, these, this is the recipes. This is what you're making. And that's it. That's start a story and end of story. And I didn't like that. I am way too creative for that. So I would always want to put my twist on things. <laughs> so I absolutely love being able to change up the recipes. If I don't feel like making that one day, I'm not going to, I'm going to switch it up and grab something different. And I usually will pull something out that I've either never made before. And it's not even on the menu. There's half the time where my, my sous chef and I were walking around the grocery store and she's like, well, what's on the menu today? And I'm like, huh, let's try this. And she goes, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. We're going to try it though. <laughs> and I create a recipe as we're shopping. <laughs> I love that. I'm very much the same way actually, because I've been in food for so long. I honestly, I don't look at recipes unless I'm having to for business and we're trying to stick to, you know, standard and all that. But if it comes to creation, I'm generally on the fly, always creating or coming up with ideas just because I feel like it's important as a food entrepreneur to keep on your toes in every which way possible. It's why over the last year, you know, I was in food and meals and stuff for hospitals, but we didn't bake. Um, we would bake kind of, but it was already pre-made, uh, whatever. Or we'd bring in pre-made. Uh, we once baked cornbread and it was a disaster on a massive scale for all the New York City hospitals. Over 75,000 slices in one night. It was a disaster. And um, never want to do that again. And believe me, it never happened again. But so I've learned these things. It's like you smoking the meats. I think I've learned pizza and I've learned and everyone's like, oh, Justin, you've had success and you ran a business for 24 years and hundreds of millions of dollars in food and, you know, all these subsidiaries and restaurants and POS systems and food trucks and restaurant equipment and God, whatever else we're doing, distribution and farms and processing and everyone. And I'm like, you know what? I need to learn more. Like I don't, I like being an entrepreneur and being a manager is one thing, but it's always good to go back and keep learning something you don't know. So I've learned pizza and donuts and baking and grocery stores and the, the new delivery business that's taking off, which is just crazy what's going on there in DoorDash and Uber Eats and Grubhub right. and those guys and the margins and, and how they're now the gatekeepers and the key masters to food businesses, which is just crazy scenario. So now we have another layer between us and the customer. So it's just unbelievable. And we lose more and more control of that, but that's a whole other story. And, um, so I really like this. One of the things I notice about you and I just, uh, again, um, is there's a peace of mind in your pursuit? As long as you're moving forward and you're pursuing something, I feel that you have peace of mind. Have you always had this peace of mind or is it something that's newer based on your entrepreneurial endeavors? I would have to say it's definitely newer. Um, like I said before, I was just a stay-at-home mom. I literally was, that's what my job was. I uh, 
didn't do anything else besides stay home with the kids and raise them. I didn't have a job. I didn't do anything else. And I, at the time, I didn't feel like I had any type of ambition to even do anything. But then I was like, you know what, this is not enough. I'm not okay with this. And I wanted more and I wanted to be able to show my kids more. So that was like my primary motivation to just keep going and do better. And that is honestly something that I've told my kids since they were born is every day, I always tell them, just do good. (laughs) So even if you just do one thing that's good, make someone smile, you're on the right path. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Those random acts of kindness um, fill your bucket always because as humans, uh, majority don't aren't giving in the way that you're talking about. So in order to give like that, there's rarely someone else that's going to fill your quote-unquote bucket back up once you give it out. But doing those random acts of kindness, getting people to smile, have, making them have a better day, using food as a way to bring them happiness or bring together you know a smile or, or enjoyment from the taste of it, all of those things I think are, are really cool and it's a way to fill back up your bucket and, and not be overwhelmed by life and almost get that peace of mind that we we're just talking about honestly is peace of mind comes almost sometimes by stepping out of ourselves and doing something for someone else. Um, but also what I will say also is in your in what you're doing now as an entrepreneur, you are giving so much to those around you. You're helping them develop business skills and entrepreneur skills and run a business and developing them in ways that's more than just learning food. You know, your impact and your influence is just incredible at this point already. So, you know, that's really where, you know, we as entrepreneurs can create things that grow humans. Even if we're producing food, food's the vehicle to the human growth. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And I absolutely love inspiring people. So even after we got back from the great food truck race, we got involved with our local high school school district and we would travel around to, I think, three different high schools or two different high schools, something like that. And we went back multiple times where we did demonstrations in the cooking class. We went into the business class and talked about what it takes to be a food truck owner and every single aspect of it. And we'd have the kids get involved and ask questions and like really truly get inspired and uh, be intrigued by what we do. And then the next day we would go there and serve. Amazing. I And I like, and it's interesting, you were just on the path because I saw you post something online about uh, the schools and going into schools and teaching in class because I think that's hugely important that we really start, you know, and there's lots of kids out there who have entrepreneurial um, wishes and dreams that don't have any entrepreneurs around them that don't know how to move forward or don't have, not sure how to go about it. So, when they have someone like you come into a classroom, I feel like it's a huge pivoting point and catalyst to them to have confidence to do it because now they're physically seeing someone uh, succeed from it. And and the most success I would say, and it's funny, I've redefined success a lot lately in my life. It's the peace of mind thing that's first and foremost for me, which I haven't brought up on any other podcast. I haven't even talked about other than maybe once on the Centurion Leadership Italian show. But because I'm sensing it here and because I feel it here, I'm bringing it up. I know a lot of entrepreneurs have peace of mind. And by peace of mind, that doesn't mean you're not worried about your numbers or you're not worried about getting payroll. It means that I don't know how to describe it. I'm not angry at the world. You know, I'm not, uh, I don't feel lost in the world. I have confidence that no matter what I'm doing, it's the right thing, you know? And, and for me, it's God, my plan is aligning with God's plan or my, you know, I'm aligning my plan with God's plan. And, and, you know, it's just happening because I'm doing the right things. Uh, I'm making the right decisions. And if I'm not, I'm pivoting quickly to learn to be at the right decision. And, um, don't get me wrong, I make mistakes, guys, and I have to make amends sometimes ASAP. Like, that's one of the things that bring peace of mind also. Make a mistake, make amends. Okay, like, it just is that simple. Like, don't hold on to it. Don't let it grow. Don't let it fester. It will ruin your businesses. It will ruin relationships. It will ruin families. Okay, Thanks. friendships. Yep, I rarely will hold on to any type of anger. That's something that is a useless emotion to me. Yep. And it's the only thing that it's going to cause is more uh, bad things to happen to you. So yeah. why are you going to do that to yourself? If you sit there and dwell, it's just going to cause a spiral effect for the most part. So just be happy, move on, forgive and forget type thing. Yeah, I agree with you. And life's too short to get caught up in. And when we're dying, no one remembers that shit anyway. We're, we're trying to remember our life or how good we had it or we have regret we didn't live it to the fullest. 
okay? But I would say that peace of mind is also coming from we're fulfilling what we want to do. You know, we're finding the direction. We're, we're, we're chasing our purpose in a lifetime of excellence in a way uh, by doing it. So um, awesome. Where can they find you online? Where can they find your website? Uh, how can they get a hold of you guys if they want catering? or And where can they find a schedule? Um, you can go on to our Facebook page, um, which is, let's see, facebook.com slash Girls Got Balls Mobile Kitchen. Or you can go to our direct website, www.girlsgotballsfoodtruck.com. Or you can reach out to us on Instagram, uh, instagram.com slash girls underscore got underscore balls. <laughs> and all of our schedules are updated usually weekly on our Facebook page. I've got to be honest. I was a little bit scared to type in girls got balls into my search engine. Now that it's got the food <laughs> truck part, I'm like, okay, now I might be a little more comfortable. God only knows what will come up in my search history or whatever if I typed in <laughs> girls got balls. But I like, I like the humor. I like the, I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of almost like that uh, adolescent immature humor in some ways sometimes. And so this, your name, the cleverness of the name, the, how it relates back to your product, how it relates to who you are as a human, because it truly, the brand truly represents you, the founder, the owner, the entrepreneur who started it, which I love it when the brands are actually reflections of the entrepreneurs, because that is the best brand building personally and for the business possible, because people and customers can see it and relate to it and anchor and tie everything together in the brand when they see it and in your logo you talked about it making me it's me it's uh, it's rosie the riveter but a disney character and i couldn't describe your attitude and your ambition and hard work better than that it's hard work with a, a softness and a patience in a very loving manner and it's what your logo is so Thank you again, Sean. I really appreciate you coming on the show, and I can't wait to tell the rest of your story as it continues. Absolutely, and thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the, All the entrepreneurs who have been on the show, all the entrepreneurs listening in, I love you guys. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for volunteering your time. If you're a fan of Girls Got Balls and you're listening to the episode, share the episode, okay? And write a comment on the episode, okay? It helps get the message out there. We do live in an algorithm-based world, okay? And the more people engage in the content and the more people engage in the episode, the better those episodes do. And the, the more the message of those entrepreneurs who volunteer to come on here and share their message uh, to benefit the world around them. Uh, and benefit other entrepreneurs out there or people wanting to be entrepreneurs or in the food space, you know, the better the world is. So the more we share this content, the more we talk about things, the more we engage in what is peace of mind and, and what does it mean to have entrepreneurial ingenuity. And it's okay to be an entrepreneur that focuses on more than one business. Those give people hope. And there's entrepreneurs that can't focus on more than one business, but there are ones that can, and they need to see that there's other people out there doing it. So Please share the episode. Uh, please give a comment um, and uh, give a shout out to Girls Got Balls because I know next time I'm going to Chicago, I am trying to figure out how to get to you guys um, or wherever you guys are. I don't care if I have to drive hours. I will figure this out because I'm obsessed with how good the food looks on your page. Um, thank you again. Shauna and I appreciate it and thank you again for everyone listening in you can find me on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs and you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts and we're out <laughs>